0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd I'd like you to turn into
1: Colossians chapter 3. We're going to focus on the last part of chapter 3 up to verse 1 today. Now let me just kind of remind you what we've been looking at as we've been going through Colossians. We've been looking at this very interesting letter that really talks about really our life with Jesus and what that means. And how that really Is to be not expressed. He talked about that earlier in the letter. It's not necessarily in keeping religious exercises or rituals or doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. But rather he's talking about the relationship and you living out of that relationship. When salvation happens in your life, remember he told us the old you died spiritually. We say, I still look the same in the mirror. Well, yeah, you still look the same in the mirror. And yes, you're still carrying, you're in the same body. Now when you go to be with Jesus, you get a new body, an incorruptible body, one that's not corrupted by sin. We are corrupted by sin now. We all sin. But the reality is, is that you now are to live like the person you're going to be, the new you. And so today, especially, he's going to talk about what that means with regards to relationships. Because the fact of the matter is, you are not an island to yourself. You don't live in a world where it's just you alone and you don't care about anybody else. You were created to have relationships with people, and you do. It's relationships within your family, it's relationships at work, it's relationships in your neighborhood. You have relationships and you interact in those relationships. Now, when you are a believer in Jesus Christ and the new you is there that new you needs to permeate your relationships see this is why I think the biggest contradiction in quote the Christian world is is that we can come across saying we love Jesus but then be mean to everybody else that's a contradiction because what we're called to do is to express the love that has been shown to us through Jesus Christ And in particular, Paul's going to focus on three types of relationships. He does this in this letter. He does this also in his letter to the Ephesians. It's basically how the Roman world at that time was broken down. The three basic units of the Roman world were the marriage relationship between husband and wife, the parent-child relationship, and in their world at that time, they had something called the slave relationship. Master relationship. What do you mean the slave master? Well, don't think of American slavery. Completely different circumstance in our context versus what was going on in their context. In their context, most of the Roman world were slaves. Now, how did you become a slave? When the Romans conquered people, those people then became slaves to the Roman Empire. And in their context, slaves could own slaves. It was completely different than ours. But those were the three breakdowns of relationships that they had in their world. We have the same thing in our world. We still have the parent-child. We still have the marriage relationships. But we don't have necessarily the slave-master, although somebody would say, well, it's kind of like that. It's the workplace relationship. You ever thought your boss was the slaveholder Or you were the slave? I mean, that happens, right? Well, he's going to tell us how your life in Christ now, is supposed to permeate those relationships. Now, having said that, let me explain something to you. What he's going to express here is not a mandate for society. He's not particularly cared about how society is impacted here. What he's caring about is how you, as a believer, are supposed to be because of your new relationship with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't impose what he is saying here on people who don't know Christ. Why? Because... They don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one who enables you to be able to act the way that he's asking you to act. And as soon as we talk about some of these, you're definitely going to say, there is no way I can do that. And you're right, you can't in your own strength. But you can with the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. So let's look at this together. We're going to focus on verse 17 through 21. And he's going to talk about an attitude, a focus that we need to have in verse 17, we looked at verse 17 last week, but then when we get to verse 18 up to chapter 4 verse 1, he's going to talk about relationship, new relationships that come out of the reality of who you are in Jesus. So let's look at these together. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives Submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but in sincerity of a heart-fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Wow, just reading some of those, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know, George, the hair just went up on my back. Yes, I understand. But let's take a look at it together. We're going to look, focus on, first of all, what verse 17 says is a focus for living. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Our actions and speech must be guided by our relationships with Christ. Look at what he says there. In whatever you do in word or deed, deed is action. Word is what comes out of your mouth do all in the name of the Lord. So when I do something, or when I say something, that needs to be reflected, not by a religious system that I adhere to, rather, it needs to be reflected by my relationship, my living relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he interacts with me, because he loves me, and he fills my heart with his love. Therefore, the way I speak and I act it's supposed to be reflected in that. You know what I'm talking about. You ever met somebody who meets somebody for the first time and they are enamored? All they see is that special person and then that special person sees them. And they're in those beginning stages of that relationship. And here's what happens. When you're in that beginning stages of the relationship, we all, the rest of us say, he's lovesick or she's love sick. They've lost their minds because why? All they do and act upon is what that other person says. What that other person is saying and doing affects their life and how they act. That's what he's talking about here. If you have a living relationship with Jesus, it's supposed to permeate you and change your life. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's supposed to change how you are towards other people. Listen, it is a complete contradiction To people who say that they have experienced the grace of Jesus, but they never are gracious towards other people, that's a contradiction, isn't it? If you've experienced forgiveness, but you can't be forgiven, that's a contradiction that really says something. What do you mean? That says that what you believe is more only up here rather than right here in your heart. Because if it permeates your heart and who you are, it's going to be reflected in how you are towards other people. That needs to be the focus. That needs to be the reality. So the first thing here is, the focus for living is our actions and our speech must be guided by our relationship with Christ. Here's the other thing. Our relationship with Christ must be marked by thanksgiving to God. You need to move to the place, verse 17 says, look at what it says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You need to not just begin to express the grace of your life in your actions and your speech towards others. You need to begin living thankful, thankful to what he's done for you. What do you mean what he's done for me? Hey, how about the big one? Forgiveness. I think every one of us should be able to express that we are thankful that God forgave us. Forgave us what? Your stuff. Nobody is perfect here. There is only one person who's ever been perfect. That was Jesus. Everybody else sins. Now, I know some of you don't like to hear that, but the reality is, you and I are sinners. We do wrong. Now, here's the wonderful thing. When you come to Christ, he forgave you. In fact, his acceptance of you is not based upon you. It's based upon him and what he did for you. See, you can never do enough to gain his acceptance. His acceptance of you is not based on you. It's based on Jesus. It's unconditional. So when you think about the acceptance and the forgiveness of Christ in your life, that should bring from you what? Man, thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you watch over and protect me. Thank you for how you provide for me. Even when it's difficult and you're not there or I don't think you're there, you're still there. Thank you. You never abandoned me. God, thank you for, for the blessings. Thank you for this beautiful day that we're having today. Thank you for what I'm planning to do later on. Thank you for how you're providing for me. Thank you for the health that you have given me. Thank you for my family. Thank you. There's so many things. If we would just begin to show gratitude, I think that's the problem with people today. We've learned not to show gratitude. We're basically in right? It's like buying a bag of candy thinking you're going to have 13 pieces and you only have 12. Rather than being thankful for the 12, you're like, where's the 13th? I read the package. That's where a lot of us are at today, isn't it? Now, why am I telling you these two things? Why go back to verse 17? Why go back to let your actions and your speech be reflective of that relationship with Christ. Why why mention the reality that you and I need to be thankful? Because I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to talk about being in relationships like he wants us to be as believers, in these relationships and having them renewed, to be honest with you, these two things are going to be very important. Gratitude and having love and grace permeate your life through Christ out towards others. Those are two things that are going to be very important in what? In having relationships with other people. So let's talk about it now. Let's talk about impacted relationships. And again, I'm going to remind you, these are not commands for society. Paul's focus here isn't society, you understand. He's not focused on the greater Roman Empire or all what's happening in Colossae at this time. What he's focused on is those believers' lives and where they need to be in their relationship with Jesus Christ and how that relationship should permeate their life towards others. And it should be expressed in these three basic areas of relationships. What? Husband-wife, parent-child... And what in our culture would be a work relationship. So let's look at them together. Six things. Look with me at verse 18. Just even the concept could cause you to balk. But that's because we have a wrong concept. Listen to this. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now as soon as we use that word submit immediately I can sense tension rising in the air in fact if I was told that I would have tension rising in my air why is that well for some of us we've been around church culture enough and maybe you've heard enough preachers talk about it's kind of like the wife becoming a doormat and, and in fact they equate submission here with obedience it's kind of like wives obey your husbands let me just go ahead and tell you right now that is not what the verse is saying what do you mean well, look at verse 20. It says, children, obey your wives. Now, what we don't see in our language is, is there's, this is, comes out of a Greek language, there's actually two different words here. The word submission is not the same word used here for obedience. So don't even take it that way. That is not at all what's going on here. What is it talking about? Well, in marriage, wives should willingly follow their husband's leadership. That's what it's talking about here. Submission is the whole issue of following their leadership. That's the reality that's being expressed here. Submission is the whole reality of following the husband's leadership. That's what the issue is here. In fact, if you go over to the parallel passage, where it talks about this in Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 21, he later in the passage talks about, he says... Husbands, love your wives. He said that earlier. But wives, rather than submit to your husbands, he says, respect your husbands. See the greater picture of what submission is here? Submission is following the leadership of your husband. Now you're saying, well, you don't know what he's like. You're asking a lot, George. I've been picking up after him forever. and He hasn't learned yet no, and he probably won't. I understand that. This is why I'm telling you what seems to be impossible is possible. How? Because Paul is telling us these things because they come out of the relationship. In Ephesians, it's very clear there because when he gives that command in verse 21, wives, submit to your husbands, it goes all the way back to verse 18. Verse 18 says, be not drunk with wine, That is, don't be controlled by wine, but rather be what? Filled with the Spirit of God. That is, be a Spirit-empowered. You can't do these things unless God's Spirit guides you. You need the grace of God in your life to be able to be the kind of person that he's calling you to be here. And that should be reflective of your relationship with him. So, he's saying here, look, wives should be willing to follow their husband's leadership. Now, he's not letting husbands off the hook either. Look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Now, let me explain something to you. I I find it interesting. This passage mentions it. Ephesians mentions it about loving your wives. Peter takes it a little bit further and says, God doesn't even hear your prayers if you don't love your wives. It sounds like we need a lesson in learning to love our wives, guys. How do we love our wives? Well, Ephesians tells us that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? Christ did everything he could for the church so the church could become who it was supposed to be. That's the reality of love here. Love's not an emotion. Love is an action here, allowing the wife to become who she's supposed to be that's the kind of love that he's calling us to do men well again you don't know what she's like i think i read in proverbs about a dripping faucet isn't that what she's like maybe but maybe she's been brought to that point the reality is listen to me Again, you can't do this unless the Spirit of God guides you. The Spirit empowers you. The, P- the Spirit helps you to do that. So what seems impossible, let's, let's, go, let's say it. Wives submitting to their husbands' leaderships. Here's the thing. Husbands loving their wives and not being bitter towards them. What seems impossible is possible because what? You're new. And the capability of doing that is there because you've been made new. Because you're a new person in Jesus. And he'll give you the strength to do it. What if I fail? Then you pick yourself up. And you keep going on and you do what you're supposed to do. Remember the verses I've shared with you from Psalm 37? Talking about the relationship with Jesus. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in him. Listen to that. God delights in your life. The very next thing he says is as though he yet stumble, he'll not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand." It says if you fail, what? God's there to pick you up. So then you go forward to try to do what you need to do to be the person that you need to be and allow him to transform your relationships. So there it is, first level, husband, wife. Let's talk about parent, child. All right, so here it is, verse 20. Look with me. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Here's, it's very basic. In families, children should obey their parents in all things. Yeah, but you know, George, I don't think they know anything anymore. It was one thing when I was smaller and I did everything, but now as I'm getting bigger and I'm understanding, I don't think they know. All of us have faced that as parents, haven't we? I remember when I was a kid thinking that I was smarter than my dad. It wasn't until I was 25 that I realized that my dad was the smartest man in the world, and I was the one who was dumb, because I thought I knew better. And if I had just listened, I could have spared myself a lot of grief. See, this is the reality. In renewed relationships, in in, in a life that is reflective of Christ, you realize that what is pleasing to God is that I obey my parents. Here's the second one. Look with me. Verse 21. He doesn't let parents off the hook either. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What's he talking about here? In fact, in Ephesians the very same thing he says fathers do not provoke your children to wrath don't provoke them to needless anger and outburst what 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 is he meaning here well here's the thing In, in families parents should not provoke their children to discouragement and that's easy to do right you ever done that or caught yourself wanting to do that when you told them, don't do that, don't do that, and then they do it, and what you told them was going to happen, happens. Sometimes you want to rub it in their face. What does that do? Well, let me tell you what it is. Provoking. And when you do that, there's usually two responses. Paul addresses the first response in Ephesians. You're provoking them to what? Wrath. Needless anger towards you. Or you're provoking them, as Paul is saying here in Colossians, to what? Discouragement. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never do what's right. I'm always doing what's wrong. So here, there's a responsibility when you have a relationship with Christ. It's going to be reflected now, not just in your marriages, but it needs to be reflected in your what? In your families. How you treat each other. Well, then that brings us to the third relationship that he refers to again in his context it was a master slave but it's more in context for you and i of a workplace somebody who's in charge versus somebody who is a worker and so again let me explain to you this is not dictating what life should be in our society because our society is not going to embrace this however you as a believer whether you are a worker or somebody who's in charge if you want to live for the lord out of that new relationship that you have with him. You're going to see these things. What are they? Well, here's the first one. In the workplace, the workers should be guided by the Lord in their actions. Look at what it says here. I think it's very interesting. He gives a lot of verses to this, verse verse 22 to 25. We'll go through these together. Bondservants, obey all things your masters according to the flesh Not with eye service as man pleasers, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. What's he saying here? When you're in the workplace, you do what your boss tells you to do, not because you're trying to get in good with him, but rather because that's what a man pleaser is, right? But rather, you're doing what you're doing for the Lord. He goes on here and says, and whatever you do, do it hardly, as to the Lord and not to man. You're not working for him. I mean, yeah, he gives you the paycheck, but ultimately God is the one who gave you that job and you're working for the Lord. He goes on here and says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of an inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. See, ultimately God is going to bless you either here or later. And here he's talking about later because of what you did in serving the Lord where you work. And then he goes on, but he who does wrong will be repaid. Basically, he's saying you're accountable. You are accountable for your actions. You and I need to recognize that. So we need to have an ethic of work that is to the Lord. Yeah, but you know what, George? You don't know what my boss is like. I understand that. But you also need to recognize that when he was writing this to the church, there were lots of them who were slaves that didn't have good bosses either, good masters either. But he's telling them to hold on and live for the Lord. And to do what's right. So then he turns his attention to masters. Because there would have been some in those churches. And probably even the family that was hosting that gathering there in Colossae. Was somebody of wealth and who had people under him. He would be giving to them something to think about as well. And here's what it is. Listen to me. In the workplace, authorities should treat their workers fairly with fear. One of the most discouraging things for me throughout the years of pastoring is meeting Christian men in authority who separate their faith from how they treat their workers. And there's no connection between the two. And that, to me, be honest with you, again, is a contradiction. It is, like I said earlier, how can you express grace when you've had grace shown to you? It's the same thing here. So in a workplace, authorities should treat their workers fairly. Why? Because look at what it says here. You have a master in heaven. God holds us all accountable. Accountable. Now, let's get back to this. We've talked about three different areas here. We've talked about marriage relationships. We've talked about parent-child relationships. We've talked about the workplace. I see what you're saying, George. I just can't see it happening. How do we do this? How do you do it? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't do too good. Because here's the bar that God wants us to reach in our relationship And I and you are human and the reality of what he's calling us to do in that this is what I'm supposed to be as a husband or this is what I'm supposed to be as a parent or this is what I'm supposed to be as somebody who's in authority over someone. How am I doing? God, you know the answer. And you know that I fail. So what do I do? Give up on it? Throw that out of the Bible? Rip that page out? Forget that, Lord? How can that's not possible? No. This is the reality of the new life, isn't it? He changes us from where? Not from the outside, but from the inside. And he does it over what? Time. And now that I know what he wants to see from my life, I need to ask him daily, in prayer, God help me to be the husband that I need to be. Help me to be the dad that I need to be. Help me to be the worker or the one who's in charge that I need to be. Because without you, I can't do it. Without you, I fail. And we fail, don't we? So this is what he's calling us to. So that gets back to the whole issue of what? How's your relationship with Jesus?
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,